37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Everybody and welcome back to episode 239 of Pixelated Paranormal. And at the top, I'd like to say I am very, uh, very, very sorry about the delay in our feed. I'm reaching out to Mark to try to get that fixed. So hopefully, if you're hearing this episode, everything's back up and running. And Sean's also very sorry because this is not going to be the sexy, sexy sex episode because Sean doesn't remember when our actual anniversary date is. And I'm kind of <laughs> upset about it. I am a bitter wife in this scenario because I'm just like, you motherfucker. Oh, honey, honey, I am so sorry. Yeah, our six-year anniversary, of course, is on May 8th. And in my head, May 8th was this week. I totally forgot that this is just the first week. So... Technically, the anniversary falls on Sunday the 8th, so we will drop that super sexy six-year anniversary episode next time on episode 240, um, which technically will drop a couple days after. But you know what? What can you do? There has been a a lot going on the last week or so for all of us, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. But don't worry, folks. We do have a paranormal story to tell you at the end of the episode that will kind of correlate to some of the stuff we're talking about now. Presto, how are you, buddy? <sighs> yeah. You know, I'm all right. So <laughs> Things could be worse. Yeah. Things could have been a hell of a lot worse. Uh, uh, you were. Yeah. Things could have been 2.9 miles closer. Mm. Fuck, man. So let's just not uh, dilly-dally anymore, and um, quickly, uh, Stephen can't be with us on this episode, but he should be back with us on the next episode. But anyway, get into it, Preston. Tell us uh, a little bit about what's going on in your neck of Kansas, man. Yeah, so Friday uh, the 29th, um, Mm -hmm. got home from work, and the the wife and I, you know, decided, let's go take a walk. And uh, it was looking pretty dark out. And so we sped the walk <laughs> up. And then I got back home and the kids were inside with grandma watching TV. And I'm just like, fuck this noise. I'm going to go make some whiskey stoppers out in the garage. So I proceeded to grab a few pretzel beers. And uh, which, if you've never had uh, Blue Moon's Twisted Pretzel, you should go do yourself a favor and get it. It's amazing. <laughs> Is it pretty good? It's pretty good. And, you know, I'm out there and whittling away. And, uh, you know, the rain starts to pick up a little bit. And then it kind of dies down. And then all of a sudden, my fucking phone is like, take shelter now. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And then, like, my mom's calling me, the wife is calling me, and they're like, you need to get your ass back inside a Nader's touchdown. And I'm like, no. So I walk out of the garage, walk around front. I don't see anything. So I go back in the, you know, go in the house and go downstairs, and everybody's freaking out. They're like, you know, they they said a touchdown, uh, you know, southeast and andover and i'm like guys i was just outside i didn't see shit so i'm like fuck it i'm gonna go back outside and then i walked outside and bam right in front of my front porch was a nader and i'm like holy shit there it is <laughs> uh 
So I called the wife up and I'm like, honey, you got to come see this. And uh, she got a really nice picture. And then uh, I, I stayed outside and uh, watched it for a little bit. And uh, it got eerily quiet and uh, you could you could hear it. And uh, mm-hmm. then it started to kind of like move behind the tree line. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't you know, I can't tell where where it's at so i should probably be smart and uh, take my happy ass back downstairs and so i went back down to the basement and uh uh, the storm radio kept going off going off and then uh yeah the uh, john's animal world building that has been up since i was uh, three years old is totally gone the uh, ymca uh is uh pretty much gone and uh shout out to humanity because a lot of people out there are pieces of shit and we had to call in the national guard uh because you know after a community in the area gets hit with a tornado and there's destruction a good group of us decided that we were going to go loot the ymca and the homes that have been destroyed in the area and uh so uh, yeah, that's pretty much been my week. Uh, every single road uh, to the area for me to get to work has been closed off. And uh, my neighbor's dogs, uh, cute dogs, really, really liked them. They got out during the storm and because uh, it uh, was super windy in our area and uh, never made it back home. And one of them got hit on the highway. So I was Fuck, kinda, man. Yeah, I was bummed to find that out. I she was a boxer pit bull mix, and when I'd go down to the end of the property and mow, she'd come out running like she was just going to tear my throat out, and she would jump up on the <laughs> lawnmower and give me give me kisses on the face. So, Dang, that is too bad, man. Yeah. Jesus. Um, oddly enough, not to completely stonewall your <laughs> story, I got bit by a dog uh, last Thursday. <laughs> oddly enough yeah um and again, i got licked by a dog and you got bit i yeah yeah uh, i won't get into the whole story out of respect and privacy for my buddy but i got a buddy who is is pretty sick right now and i went to visit him out at his place at by the lake in el dorado and um i normally i know what friends of mine have animals and unfortunately i hadn't been over to this friend's house in a while and he's under the weather, so neither one of us was thinking. And as I parked my car and made my way up to his front porch, I spooked his, I believe it's a husky, and it came flying around the side of the house and bit the back of my calf. And uh, I'm okay. I'm fine. Luckily, uh, the dog had its shots and everything, and I don't need the stitches or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I felt horrible because not only is my friend, you know, really, really ill, but also he's like, oh, fuck, did my dog bite you? And then, of course, after this happened, uh, I took him to lunch, we got back, and then the dog was my best friend the rest of the time I was there, just laid next to me and tried to put his head in my lap and say he's oh, sorry. And yeah. Yeah, it's just a dog doing his thing, you know, protecting yeah. the family and hadn't seen me before. And I'm an idiot for not even happening to think like, oh, maybe I should mention, hey, I'm here before I get out of the car. <laughs> but, uh, shit. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear about that dog, man. That yeah. that sucks, especially like to the family. Oh, boy. Yeah. And then on this uh, cold spring evening, as the sun was going down and it was getting dark and you know, the air was getting heavy. My my children went to go outside to put up the ducks, and the wife looked out the back window, and she said, Honey, come here. 
And then my son ran around the corner and said, oh, my God, Dad, don't you see it? And then my daughter ran back inside, and she's like, guys, did you see it? And I'm looking out the window, and I'm like, what? And they're like, it's there, hiding in the grass. Look at it. It's so big. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? I don't see a goddamn thing. And they're like, it's a mountain lion. Now, real real quick, for everybody's <laughs> like, whoa, you guys are in Kansas? You have mountain lions? Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Because the abandoned railroad track that is now the Chisholm Trail bike trail thing uh, that like Andover and Augusta decided it would be so cool to put in. Mountain Lions, that that railroad track makes its way all the way up through Colorado. And so when the mountain lions are coming down, uh, you know, migrating, you know, winter and spring, they they use that railroad track. It's a straight. Wait. Straight. Like they make the journey all the way here, or like they're bumming train rides. No, they're making the journey. They'll walk the track line um, because when it gets starts to get really cold, they'll move their way down into Kansas, and then because uh, mm. you know the the food's a little better, and then when it warms back up, they'll make their way back because uh, <laughs> they're like fuck this heat. Uh, we're going back up into the mountains, and so they'll follow the track, uh, or now they'll follow the trail. So it's not uncommon that uh, you do, in fact have a mountain lion but i'm looking out there in the field and i'm not seeing anything and then you know because the 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 cold spring wind was you know the the air was thick i saw this giant black head in the in the field i'm like oh my god you guys are right there it is and I made my way down to the basement. I opened up the gun safe and I got out my brand new 20 gauge shotgun <laughs> and <laughs> loaded it up. And I am a smart gun owner, so don't think that I'm running out of the basement with uh, you know loaded weapon. The safety was on and the barrel was was uh, was uh, breached. And got outside, slammed the the barrel, took the safety off, and made my way around the back of the yard. And I'm like. This is my moment. I'm going to be the hero of the day. I'm going to. This is how daddy takes care of the family. (laughs) This is how daddy takes care of the family. I'm going to save my children and my ducks from this evil bobcat because mountain lions aren't black. So I'm like, it's a bobcat, you know, it's a wildcat, uh, but I'm going to get it. And uh, my wife was behind me. She's like, I think it's behind the, the, the coop. I make my way behind the coop. I get the barrel of the gun up, and here's my moment, and it's a fucking regular size house cat that was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I scared the shit out of it, and it took off and uh, put the safety back on the shotgun, breached it, took the shells out, and went inside disappointed. So <laughs> that's uh, been my evening. Mom, why is dad so mad? Why did he lock himself in his office? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, boy. Little little country excitement, huh? Yeah. Didn't bag myself a bobcat. I was going to have a bob bobcat pelt for the desk. You know what I'm saying? Maybe like a... <laughs> Like a mountain, like a mountain man scarf out of bobcat didn't happen. Yeah, a little koozie, little can koozie out yeah. of a bobcat felt. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Well, look at it this way, man. At least you didn't think you saw a lawn gnome, and it was just a skunk's tail. Yeah, I, I'll still, I'll wear that hat of shame for a while longer. Yeah, we want to say, you know, 
we're, we're thinking about everybody in Andover, Kansas, um, and, and then the surrounding areas that were affected by that tornado. It's crazy because in Kansas, like we're right here in Tornado Alley and every other storm, you're just like, well, the conditions are perfect to produce a tornado. And we just get so comfortable in just saying, there's not going to be a tornado. We haven't had an actual, you know, bad tornado in years. And then, you know, it just goes to show never let your guard down because uh, Shayla and I were in Texas, in Dallas when this happened. And so, like, we were checking in with our neighbor and with Shayla's sister about every hour uh, to figure out what's going on because we were so far away. And, you know, they're like, oh, it's raining a little bit. Oh, it's kind of sprinkling a little bit. And the next thing you know, it's, holy shit, a tornado touchdown in fucking Andover. Yeah. And threw cars, you know, off the street and out of the parking lot through the YMCA. And it took a lot of houses out and everything else and some local businesses. So, man. Yeah. You could never be too careful. Well, how do you segue into a fucking tornado hitting Andover, Kansas, to me going to meet horror movie celebrities? Is there an appropriate segue? Well, I mean, you were somebody's bitch over the weekend. (laughs) There we go. That's the teaser. So, um, again, not to make light of the tornado, but Shayla and I were in Dallas, Texas this last weekend because she got a Saturday ticket for us to go to the Frightmare Weekend, which is in Dallas at the um, Hilton at the airport or Hyatt at the airport, one or the other. And uh, we got to spend our weekend sitting in line waiting to meet um, Robert England as well as meeting several other horror movie celebrities. And it was our first time ever going to um, a horror movie convention uh, of that caliber. And it was was pretty awesome. We learned what not to do and what to do next time we go to the next one. Apparently, what you should do is pack a fucking lawn chair because some of those lines to meet, you know, actors and actresses apparently can be 10 to 12 hours long. But we got fortunate enough to meet some friends of ours that were down there at the same time and uh, made the best out of a, a very long situation. And we got to meet Tom Savini, and I had my 1982 copy of Creepshow autographed. And Presto, did you ever see the old 1971 film Willard? Uh, you bet your bottom dollar I did. Hell yeah. Well, I've got a paperback copy of Willard, and I got a chance to meet Bruce Davison, who played Willard in the film. I got to talk to him for a good almost 10 minutes, just kind of shooting the shit and, and chatting. And then he signed my paperback copy of Willard, and uh, I couldn't have been more thrilled. He also played uh, the politician, I forget his name, on the X-Men movies that was, you know, somewhat thought to be killed and then turns around to be brought back in, like, number two or three as, like, an aquatic uh, mutant. And several other films as well. But, yeah, got to meet Bruce Davison, um... It was, it was pretty awesome. And then, lo and behold, we were able to stay in line to meet Robert England. And, well, goddamn. But anyway, you referred to him calling me a bitch. And here's what's pretty cool. Like, we get in there and we're told, okay, you know, you can go in there with your one item to have signed. And you're going to be given, you know, anywhere between two to five minutes apiece with Mr. England, blah, blah, blah. So we go in there and it's really funny because my friend Andrea, um, she's got a... Friday the 13th shirt on with a big, you know, Jason hockey mask. And she walks up and he's like, oh, and, and you write your name on the th- a little sticky note and stick it to the thing you want signed. That way he knows how to spell your name, you know, if you want it made out to you. And he looks down and says, oh, Andrea, how are you? And then he looks up and he's just like, what the hell's on your shirt? 
<laughs> she's like, I'm sorry, I know, I know. It's the only thing I had clean. And he's just like, you wear a shirt with that mama's boy on it into my house. And just starts trash talking uh, Jason Voorhees for a little while. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We got to talk to him for a little while and just he regaled us with stories of his career and different fun facts about the movies and everything. And anyway, it got to be my turn. And he looks over, he goes, Sean, how are you? And I said, oh, hey, I'm doing really good, man. You know, it's really nice to meet you. Thanks for taking the opportunity to meet us. And um, I said, now, I'm not going to, you know, waste time telling you, you know, what you mean to me. And, and I can't tell you really anything you haven't heard before. I was like, but so let me take a minute to ask you a question. I said, is it, is it really true that you actually helped in the production of the Halloween film, the original Halloween film? And it turns out that the movie, of course, we all know and love, was not filmed in Illinois like we thought it was. Of course, it was filmed in California. So Robert England at the time had a really good friend, he told us, who was working on the production of Halloween. And Robert England, Freddy Krueger himself, was actually a part of a small group who were tasked with going out and raking up dead leaves into trash bags to which they would then throw into a fan on the set so as Laurie Strode would walk down the street, they would pick up and throw dead leaves into a fan to blow across the street. So you would actually think you were in, you were in Haddonfield, Illinois, instead of, you know, the middle of California. So he said, yes, indeed, he was on set helping with the production of the Halloween movie. But he, he told us that story, then he looked over and he says, well, you know, I see Mrs. Camp because we got to meet Heather Camp, who played Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street as well. He said, I see Miss uh, Camp has written Nine Ten Never Sleep Again, so it seems to me it's only appropriate that I would write One, Two, Freddy's Coming for You, if that's okay with you, Sean. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, unless you had something else you wanted me to write instead. And originally I wanted to put something, you know, welcome to primetime, bitch, or whatever. And I just said, well, I mean, that sounds great, but if you could just call me a bitch on there somewhere. And so my LP is signed to my bitch, Sean. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> and the joke has now become that I am Robert England's bitch. Oh. But yeah, yeah, it was it was totally cool, man. Um, we got to meet Robert, and inadvertently, uh, we got to meet Heather Lankenkamp as well because um, the first day, whenever we missed seeing Robert England, we went back into the main hall, and I was like, oh, hey, let's jump in line to meet um, Heather Lankenkamp real quick, and I'll see if she can sign my LP. And we get to the, the line, and there's a staff member standing there. And I said, oh, hey, is this, uh, you know, Heather Lankenkamp's line to get in and he's like well it was but uh, it's been capped off no more no more people are getting in line we're going to finish up what we have and then she'll be done for the evening and i thought i'll be damned i missed robert england and now i'm going to miss you know having nancy sign anything as well so we started walking away and i turned around and i said hold on shayla let me let me try something and i walked up to the staff guard and i'm like hey listen loud and clear you said it shut down can i just try to give you a sob story real quick and pull on your heartstrings, and he <laughs> rolled his eyes, and he's like, well, you can try. And I said, well, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, we waited in line for almost 10 hours to meet uh, Robert England, just to be told, um, basically 10 hours in, that they had been letting people in front of us, nobody knew it, and we spent the full 10 hours just wasting our time trying to get in line. And so, I mean, them's the berries, that's how it works, but I was kind of hoping to maybe get Heather to sign this LP, uh, if it was possible. 
And then he looked at me and he sighed real loudly and rolled his eyes and stepped away from the line about a foot and then just stared at me and he says, now's the time, pal. If you're getting in line, get in line. <laughs> oh. So yeah, we, yeah, got in there and um, she is just as lovely and kind and funny uh, as you can imagine. And one of the guys in front of us was bragging to everybody about how he just got into horror and he just started watching horror movies recently and he just watched Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time like two days ago. And so he gets up there to meet Heather and he's just like, oh my God, I just watched Friday the 13th for the first time two days ago. And then without even missing a beat, she's like, that's fantastic. My movie's called A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> and the dude was so embarrassed, and he was just laughing so hard. It was so funny. But, yeah, it was cool, man. We got to meet her and get a picture with her and uh, talk to her for a little bit. And I kind of told her the same thing. I said, hey, listen, you know, there's nothing I can't tell you that you haven't heard before. So I'll just say, you know, thank you for the memories. And uh, got a hug and a handshake from her. So that's pretty cool. Oh. Yeah. So that's how my uh, Saturday, Sunday tornado weekend um, turned out. <laughs> well, yours went a lot smoother than mine. Yeah, buddy, it did. But, um, you know, all, all kidding aside, I'm so thankful that you and Jeffrey and the kids and your mom are all safe, man. And uh, it's kind of a clincher there for a minute because we didn't have a lot of cell phone uh, reception either in parts of Texas. So I was kind of playing it by ear and it was kind of touch and go. But luckily, you know, you're kind of keeping me posted with photos of you on your front porch watching a tornado go by yep oh boy well everybody's probably thinking what the fuck uh, that's another episode of you guys just rambling on and on about you know stuff that not everybody gives a damn about so to finish things out how about a paranormal story that has to do with a thunderstorm no 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 let me go first ladies first oh oh okay okay so Jeffrey uh, grew up in Las Vegas for a couple of years because her uh, mm-hmm. mom was out there being a mortician. And she sent me this news article uh, from today from KSN. Body found in barrel in Las Vegas Lake may date back to the 1980s, police say. And she said Fuck. that this was a lake that she commonly swam in while she lived in Las Vegas. So in Las Vegas, Nevada, a body was found in a barrel at Lake Mead on Sunday, which may have been underwater for as long as four decades, and more bodies are likely to appear as the lake recedes due to severe drought, according to the Las Vegas Metro Police. Boaters discovered the body around 3 p.m. on Sunday. Police suspected the person was killed in the 80s based on personal items in the barrel. Las Vegas Metro Police Homicide Lieutenant Ray Spencer said he would not elaborate on the person's cause of death or items found, clinging, uh, citing the ongoing investigation. A photo shared with KLAS showed that the what looked like the skeletal remains in the barrel. The barrel looked to have been stuck in the mud. It's going to take an extensive amount of work, Spencer said, about identifying the victim, adding that his team was reaching out to the University of Nevada, uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, to examine growth on the barrel and when it may have started to erode. It's going to be a very difficult case. I would say that there's a very good chance as the water level drops that we're going to find additional human remains. 
The ongoing severe drought is leading to another discovery in the water. Last week, the top of the water intake pipe was visible to the water's surface as the lake levels continued to drop. Lake Mead is located in both Nevada and Arizona. 20, uh, 24 miles east of Las Vegas, uh, it dropped 1,056 feet in elevation since last Tuesday, less than a week after hitting 1,057 feet the week before. Lake levels are, uh, exp- are expressed in altitude, not depth. At the highest le- level, the lake is near 1,225 feet. I th- think anybody can understand there are probably more bodies that have been dumped in Lake Mead. It's just a matter of re- are we able to recover these. The Clark County Coroner's Office was working to identify the remains. Tips can be submitted anonymously through Crime Stoppers by calling 702-385-5555. That's nuts. Do you think that a lot of mobsters right now who are still alive are just like shitting bricks? Yeah, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. They're going to find Jerry. Oh, geez, we never man. thought this would happen in a thousand years. <laughs> he ain't Fuck. sleeping with the fishes no more, son. Golly. Well, that's cool that Jeffrey has a personal tie <laughs> to this story. Yeah, she honey, been... uh, you, were, you were swimming with dead bodies when you were a kid, and you didn't even realize it. Well, to close out the episode, how about a paranormal story that just has something to do with a storm? So back in 2001, a woman asleep in her bed was beamed through a window by a huge spaceship when her friend had just walked in the room to check on her in Queensland, Australia. The alien abduction case is considered to be one of the most arguable alien encounters in UFO history with proof and also facts. Back on October 4, 2001, Keith Reliance and his wife Amy were spending a night with their business partner Petra Heller at a property which was being developed as Whispering Winds Winery in Gundaya, a town in Queensland, Australia. Well, around 9.30 p.m. that night, Keith went to sleep in the main bedroom. Petra was staying up in her room in the annex. Meanwhile, Amy was lounged in an area on the couch watching TV. That night, there was an intense thunderstorm, lightning, thunder crashing everywhere, loud winds and heavy rain. All the rooms were closely connected with windows and walls. Because of the noise from the TV and the storm, Amy fell asleep on the couch. And then around 11.15 p.m., Petra woke up, left her bedroom, and entered the lounge area where she witnessed the most frightening incident of the century. She saw a rectangular beam of light coming down from the open window of the lounge area where Amy had been asleep on the couch. Later on, Petra would claim that Amy had been carried away by a beam through the window when she was fast asleep. The beam was coming from a huge UFO she saw hovering outside the house. During the storm, the incident was so terrifying that Petra apparently fainted for a short period of time, waking up screaming as soon as she got conscious and was awoken by Keith. He found Petra in a deep shock and crying. The window itself was ruined. The screen of the window was torn from which Amy was pulled through by the beam of light. To look for his wife, Keith stepped outside and began furiously searching for her but he couldn't find her anywhere. 
He returned to Petra, where she told him everything she had seen. But Keith refused to believe such a crazy story. So again, he went back outside looking for Amy. And finally, when he couldn't see her anywhere and she was nowhere to be found, he called the Terrio Police Department around 11.40 p.m. And the constable, Robert Marenga, arrived with police officers at the location at 1 a.m. By the time police had arrived, Keith had no choice but believe Petra, as he could find no other explanation or reason to doubt her crazy story. Keith and Petra claimed that the spaceship had taken Amy away while she was asleep on the couch. Three police officers would conduct a search around the property in nearby areas. They took samples of torn window screens and noticed two flowering bushes. One of them had been exposed to extreme heat. While police were investigating the Reliance property, a phone rang. Keith picked up the phone and heard a woman that was speaking from the town of McKay, 500 miles from Gundaya. She said Amy was with her and he could hear her screaming in the background. She had found Amy at a gas station, totally confused and completely dehydrated. This woman took Amy to the McKay Hospital, and after finding her identity, she called Keith. As it was the missing person case Keith had reported, they handed him over to the constable, and now the case was a joint Gundaya-McKay affair. While doctors were examining the medical health of Amy, at the McKay Hospital, police had asked her about her sudden disappearance. What she revealed was fascinating and left the police completely confused. Amy recalled she was laying on the couch watching TV and suddenly she found herself walking on a bench in a strange rectangular room. The room was brightly illuminated by many sources of light. Having found herself in an unusual place, she began to panic. But a male voice from somewhere she couldn't identify had told her to remain calm as they did not mean her any harm. After some time later, a six-foot-tall man entered the room in a bodysuit that covered the whole body from head to toe. He was the same person who asked her to remain calm previously. Amy felt that she had been in this captivity already for a while. The next thing she remembered was that the man told her that she would be returned to a place not far from where they took her. Then she found herself on the ground surrounded by trees. When she stirred and got herself picked back up, she made her way to a gas pump where a nearby woman helped her and took her to a hospital. She also gave a statement to the police officer that she had seen a huge UFO surrounded by several small objects in her childhood when she was also in the fifth grade. While Keith and Petra were driving on their way to take Amy, the police booked a motel for Amy where she spent the rest of the evening. The next afternoon, the two had reached Amy and taken her home. But they noticed strange triangular marks on Amy's thighs and also her heels. The sides of her hair had also grown longer, and she had dyed her hair blonde earlier, but now the hair looked darker. Another interesting thing was that it looked like she had not shaved her legs for several days, although she used to regularly shave them. The three of them remained in the motel and started researching UFOs and alien abductions. They contacted Diane Harrison at the Australian UFO Research Network and told him about the whole thing. That guy's name's Diane. That's interesting. Harrison also involved UFO researcher Bill Chalker to the case. 
In the midst of the research, Kate and Amy and Petra disappeared. Fortunately, however, to the story, ufologists still had Keith's mobile number. He told them on a phone call later the three of them had to run away because during the research and all the media hubbub, they had faced a strange incident involving a man in black. Keith also added that a dark brown truck had been chasing their car, apparently trying to push them off the road. Keith then declined to disclose his new address, saying at this point they were told to drop the story altogether and stop communicating with any reporter or news media. Ooh. Well, folks, we want to thank you for joining us on this discombobulated episode. Um, a lot went on between last week and this week, and uh, hopefully we kept you entertained. And next time, please tune in, of course, with earphones on or maybe in the privacy of your own car or your home. Tuck the kids in and make sure that nobody under the age of, oh, let's say 16 is in the room because things are going to get sexy, but also a little nasty. And we're not talking about Bigfoot porn this time. Yeah, I gotta buy a new smut book because i already already got the gold out of that one that i bought so kindle yeah. here i come <laughs> yeah thankfully to rob and some of the other listeners we will not be talking about bigfoot porn or yeti porn or lawn gnome porn or lizard people porn or any other thing like that instead we've composed a i don't know what you'd call it cornucopia perhaps a double-stuffed episode full of super sexy stories that you may or may not have come across. But don't worry, folks. we got a little something in there for everybody. You know what's, what's funny about Rob complaining about us reading Bigfoot Smut was uh, that one time we had Rob on and we were talking about, like, butterfly people. Mm-hmm. He was like, I've always had a fantasy about, you know... Uh, fairies wrestling in jello, and you're complaining about us reading Bigfoot smut. <laughs> uh, Your Honor, I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Rob. Uh, oh boy. Well, until next time, folks, thank you for listening. Please check us out on the old Instagram, at PXLParanormal. Please follow us on Facebook, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Oh, yeah, check us out on YouTube. Um, you know, the last time I checked YouTube, we only got up, like, one subscriber. And uh, I believe I said I wasn't going to mention anything until we got above 200. So let's, uh, let's see if I'm mentioning it or I'm not mentioning it. <laughs> and I'm not mentioning shit because uh, oh, apparently no. nobody's uh, listening to our pleads. So get your asses over to YouTube, like, subscribe, share, because uh, uh, I need to see uh, 200, baby. Yeah, do that, folks. Please get us up to 200 on the old YouTube before our six year anniversary. And on Instagram, actually, we are almost to 600 followers as well. We're sitting right here, right around 590 followers. So let's get those numbers up and see if we can blow past 600 for our super sexy six-year anniversary. And look, folks, next time you're going to be listening to this episode and, uh, you know, you're getting all hot and bothered and you're sitting there in your chair and, you know, you got uh, your your glass of brandy or you know 
whiskey on the rocks, martini. I don't judge. But uh, you might uh, be listening to the episode not looking your best and smelling your best, and that's because you didn't follow our advice and you didn't take yourself over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com. And you didn't use that promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. So now you're sitting in the chair all hot and bothered, ready to go, looking like a scrub, when you could be looking like Fabio because you use Dobbs. And you could have got yourself scents like Bay Rum, Dundee Cedar, Fresh Citrus, Sweet Tobacco, Classic Mint. You should have gone to Dobbs and you should have got it all. But you didn't. <laughs> and look at you now. Yeah. With your crusty little beard. Scrub. <laughs> oh, if there weren't copyrights involved, I'd throw on some TLC right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And hey, word on the street is Dobbs might be working on a top secret new product that we can't quite talk about, but I might be trying out as we speak. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Hey, and also in addition to super secret projects, I've got a really cool um, project I'm working on with our buddy and listener, Bob Drock, uh, doing a little bit of card artwork for an action figure he's going to be dropping here shortly. So more Ooh. on that. Might even, might even, um, Preston, I haven't even really talked to you about it yet, but uh, might even get uh, old Bob Drock on an episode to kind of promote the uh, subject matter of the action figure that he's working on. You know, when I get around to making my paranormal-themed whiskey stoppers, Drock has one coming to him. But Cool. All right, guys. Well, until next time, I would like to say on behalf of Big Steven, cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that pixelated paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal your guide to the unusual and the strange.